All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Tudes Mate, episode 44. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And Ray, interesting enough, had an opportunity to catch up with John McEwen. Now, he is from the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, but he also has a solo album out. He also has released a book back in 2019, and we had a really good opportunity to catch up on his new album. It's called The Nashville Sessions. And he said he's been working on this for a long time, really proud of it. And during this conversation, we touched on everything. His time in the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, his Mm -hmm. time when he met Steve Martin. He Mm -hmm. even jumped into the fact that the album that has been considered one of the biggest albums out of Nashville called Will the Circle Be Unbroken? And he was comparing Mm -hmm. it to the dark side of the moon that has been on top of the folk album chart just as long as pink floyd's dark side of the moon and he's just amazed that that's still up there and just how much that music has had such a presence on the whole industry mm-hmm. yeah yeah with, with a circle beyond brooklyn and they did it they did a couple follow-up albums but it you know it's kind of a um a good reflection of the nitty grit, gritty dirt band as a career. You know, a lot of their, their, their biggest hits and a lot of their hits were songs that either um, had other folks had performed that they did versions of, or that, you know, other folks had written um, like uh, house on Pooh corner. Uh, Kenny Loggins eventually did it, but uh, nitty gritty dirt band did the original and uh, they are, the band's still going. Uh, John, you know, isn't, I don't think he's working with the band anymore, but um they, they're sort of a, a band that's worked with everybody, right? You know, Linda Ronstadt, uh, Vince Gill, John Prine. I mean, you, you know, go down right down the list of folks in, um, in the singer-songwriter uh, uh, forms of pop music and in country music and in country rock. And, and, and so the, the Circle Will Be Unbroken is their collaborations with all of these other artists. And it, it really kind of exemplifies one of kind of their, their career and their contributions to, to pop music. Yeah, I mean, he definitely had some interesting stories. I mean, he he called me from Italy and he said, you know, my life has just been so interesting. Look where I'm calling you from. And (laughs) really, really started talking about his new effort. But then he Mm -hmm. did some reflection on his past and how he got to where he was. He mentioned his starting his humble beginnings as, you know, working at Merlin's Magic Shop at Disneyland. (laughs) <laughs> just demonstrating some simple magic tricks. And he says, you know, I mentioned this in my book, but then he started talking about how just that kind of humble beginning, you know, where he realized, hey, I, I like to perform. And then he discovered an instrument. I, I think that's interesting, you know, just point in anyone's life is when you, you really find something that you want to jump into. And mm-hmm. I find this a really interesting thread from a lot of musicians where there's just this moment that happens where you're like, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. Well, and, and it really plays in. I, I love the the title of his book, The Life I've Picked, right? There's obviously the play on words there. On the one hand, it's it's the life he's, he's had up picking at a banjo. But then that he chose this life that this, and right to your theme there, that this is the life that, that he, he chose to get into and it's been interesting and he's had the chance to, to do all these interesting things, meet all these interesting people, play with all these, uh, these fabulous musicians, uh, you know, over the last uh, 50, 60 years, and, well, 60 years and, and just, uh, yeah, kind of a summation of a life well led. Yeah, and he's got so many accolades. I mean, recently inducted to the American Banjo Museum of Hall of Fame. And mm-hmm. it's worked with so many artists and just so much great music and the music continually gets played. And I really liked how he started talking about his latest album where 
he really had an opportunity to play with some people he never had an opportunity to play before. He mentioned writing a song with Leon Russell and yeah. heading over there and, and the inspiration behind that. I think you're right. It's, it's just, it seems as though he's been able to build on his, his relationship and the love of music. And that's what we're all about. And it's just total yep. reflection of, of what Tunes Made is. Absolutely. Right in line with uh, exactly what we're all about. So let's jump into the interview. John is, once again, he's coming to you from Italy. And I did have to connect with him on a phone call. Uh, it was a good connection. And I hope you enjoy it. And then when we come back on the other end, we'll wrap up the episode. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tunes Mate. I am honored to have John McGuin, author, musician, American Banjo Hall of Fame inductee and founding member of the Nitty Gritty Dirty Band. Not, oh, not dirty. All right. Nitty Gritty oh, no, Dirt Band. That's what, that, what Maybelle Carter called us. Really? She called us the Dirty Boys when we were doing the Will the Circle Be Unbroken album. You know, you familiar with that record? Yeah, I heard that that changed the face of, well, a lot of people said it was one of the biggest records that came out of Nashville. Is that correct? Well, it's one of the most important, and it's very strange to be a kid from Orange County, California, and, you know, with a dream to meet Earl Scruggs and end up recording with Earl. After I asked him if he wanted to record, he said, I'd be proud to. I was in Boulder, Colorado in 1971. And then Doc Watson was playing the same club a week later, and I asked him a question. He said, well, if Earl's going to be there, I want to pick. And then my brother, who was our manager and producer at the time, he said, I'm going to get Merle Travis. And then it just started building from that first week in June to where the first week of August we started recording in Nashville. It's amazing. And, and uh, when Maybelle Carter came in to the picture, it was really wonderful. She was like an angel with a guitar. And she was, she was a sweet lady. I, I gave her her gold album for when a, a circle turned gold. I took it to her house and she goes, I didn't know that many people even heard my song. <laughs> and Marty Stewart took me there because I didn't know where she lived. But uh, he said, we were driving away and Marty said, you know, she meant that. She doesn't know. She doesn't know the impact she had. <laughs> she didn't. Anyway, I'm, I'm diverting. You might have a question. Yeah, no, well, no, that's amazing. And while we're on that topic, I mean, why do you think that album was so monumental? Um, one is the material was really good. The song choices, they're all, they're all uh, classic songs from, from the uh, 30s, 40s. Uh, a couple of ones in the 20s, and and they were done by these people, that, the people that made them famous. That was just, that's one, there's so many reasons. Hmm. Second reason was, Vietnam War was heating up, what was it, it was hot, you know, mm-hmm. and the country was divided more than ever, kind of like now, except it was really bad then. And the country was divided, and we were a bunch of young 22 to 24 years old hippies from California, 
getting together in the studio with a bunch of rednecks. You know, that's what people would say to us. What are you recording with all those rednecks for? <laughs> well, Earl Scruggs had played at the Peace Rally in D.C. And, and you know, the various things. It didn't matter. There were no politics in the studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact that the two different, three different generations came together for just the music meant a lot. After the fact, when we were doing it, it was just, just what I wanted to do, record with Maybell Carter and uh, Doc Watson and Earl Shrug. Roy Aikon, great. Merle Travis, we'd opened for Merle Travis in 1966 as one of our first important jobs, doing 10 days with Merle Travis at the Ash Grove. And I was, a, I was 20 years old. And uh, here I am, four years later, recording them on the Circle album, my brother producing. And uh, so it was the material, the time, it was marketed correctly, the artwork with my brother created uh, perfect artwork. And then it became, it became, you know that album is in the top five on three different Amazon charts right now? And it's been there for two years. <laughs> I didn't know that. It's the dark side of the banjo, the dark side <laughs> of the moon, the bluegrass. It really, this is 50 years later. In fact, last week it was number one on the bluegrass chart. I imagine it's got a lot of people really mad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get that dang album off the chart. And uh, I've been doing this for 10 years. I want. I'm number two, I'm number five. Anyway, I don't think so, but it's just kind of floating around there. Anyway, it's it's kind of a fun thing. Had a very strange, interesting career that puts me right now, I'm talking to you from Italy and uh, in an old town, Monteregioni, built in 1200 or 700, I can't remember this town been to a lot of them but uh, it's part of the life I've picked seems to be working out by the way that's the name of the book I wrote called The Life I've Picked that tells a bunch of stories and things I've got uh, oh there's a whole chapter on the Russian trip and the American the first American band to go to Russia was Mitty Gritty Dirt Band in 1977 there's a chapter on that called the gold the gold brick ropes and uh, then there's a chapter on the circle album and there's a chapter on there's a lot of stories about Leon Russell Jose Feliciano Bill Monroe um, different people anyway I'm not here to talk about me I'm here to talk about something else oh my album that's right you got some new music coming out <laughs> yeah and it's uh, some of it has been in the works for many years and just waiting. And I thought, why am I waiting? And now how am I going to do it? It's not with a record company. It's through DistroKid that they get it to Spotify and iTunes, Amazon. And uh, it's an album called The Nashville Sessions. I got a cut with Leon Russell. Uh, that's a story in itself. Sounds like it. Leon Russell. <laughs> oh, well, 
about it? Yeah, I mean, was I, I think I was reading something about it. You did it right before he passed away. No, this is this was done eight years ago, ten years ago. Okay. I was walking down the street and I heard somebody yelling my name at midnight <laughs> or so, and it was Leon's son. He says, "Hey, John, we just got off the road. He used to play with his dad, and uh, come on to the house with me." And I, I know I knew his father from 1966 when we were rehearsing at the Ash Grove, and when we played, remember I mentioned Mel Travis? Yeah. And while we were rehearsing for the Merle Travis show, and uh, that's when Leon came into the rehearsal and said, you boys mind if I listen? <laughs> he offered us, he said, Do you, are you uh, interested in a record deal? And we weren't, because we just signed with Liberty Records for our first album. And he just hung around listening. And he was, wasn't known then, you know? He was known as a great musician. And he was from Oklahoma, and he'd fly out to L.A. and do sessions every now and then. Five years later, he was Leon Russell, master of the world. <laughs> <laughs> but we kept our friendship up. He got me on Bill Wyman's album, the Rolling Stones bass player, and I hired him a bunch of times for shows, and I sat in with him a dozen times and saw him on the road. Anyway, I went out to his house that night, and Teddy Jack invited me, and we were sitting around the studio. I'm playing the guitar. And I didn't know you played like that. And I said, no, let's record something. And then, so we wrote a song called Back in History. We were talking about world events and stuff, and he came up with a, a lyric that fit, and I did guitar, mandolin, and bass on it. And, he did keyboards and drums and sang. And sang that Leon Russell voice. I was a happy guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the Back in History song. And it's just a, a wonderful cut. I don't know, but I think uh, there's not many people that recorded with Leon Russell just one and one, you know, just him and someone else. But uh, I sure felt lucky. Yeah. And that was done in Nashville. It was mixed in Nashville and mastered. And uh, the Hey Joe song on the uh, mm -hmm. one of the cuts on the album. Hey Joe, where'd you get that Tommy Dolly? It's one I did years ago in Nashville. And I got the Oak Ridge Boys to sing background harmonies. Wow. They didn't even charge me. They didn't charge me, those guys are so good. It's amazing. <laughs> You know, I said, here, fill out the paperwork. <laughs> no, we're doing this for just you. They sang on a couple songs, and this is one of them. It's an old Boudreau Bryant song. You know who Boudreau Bryant was? You know, you're hurting my brain. Come on. I, I Come think... on. <laughs> you're getting Come me on, today. Boy, jump over the hurdle. <laughs> you're getting me, John. I think <laughs> I ran out of my coffee yet. <laughs> Help me out. No. Abudo Bryant, with his wife Belize, wrote hit songs for Nashville for America. Songs like Kathy's Clown, oh. Love Hurts, uh, Rocky Top, All I Have to Do is Dream. Oh my gosh. And yeah. Hey Joe was one, of, was one of their first songs they got placed 
It was done by Carl Smith in the 50s. And uh, huh. I've, I've always thought it was cute. And I recorded it and put a new vocal on it last year in Nashville and, <laughs> and mixed it and, and put it on this album. Hey, Joe. And it's me singing, which I'm not going to win any awards as a singer, but I, I love singing that song. It's uh, comes yeah. along. I heard it. It's a toe tapper. <laughs> well, um, I played banjo, fiddle, and mandolin uh, and guitar on that. that was, so that was fun for me. One of the other songs is Darcy Farrell. Did, did you hear that one? I don't think so, no. Well, Darcy Farrell is... It's like an old folk song, but it was written by Steve Gillette and Tom Campbell. Tom Campbell, I met when he was working in Disneyland. I was working in Disneyland also at 16, 17 years old. I heard about this. Doing magic. Well, I got my dream job. I was trying to get at 16 and uh, working in the magic shop, doing tricks all day, selling them. What a perfect job. And three years I did that. You know, you do it, you, you do tricks for 20 minutes and sell them. Then wait for five minutes till a new crowd started building up. Then you, <laughs> so if you sucked or if you blew it, you were going to be able to correct it in a half hour or in the next hour. You know, it was really fun. One day I sold 152 Swingali decks. And Swingali magic card decks where all the cards would look the same and they'd all look different. It was really a dollar fifty-two, please, with cash. You want a sack or a bag? Well, you see, a sack has the opening on the bottom. The cards will fall out. A bag has the opening on the top. Stupid stuff like that, <laughs> that he would say. <laughs> and uh, that was before music came along. You started as a musician, and you're saying that because of that, you met someone that you started playing music with at that same time, and that's that's how you got connected to the new album? I started playing, and Darcy Farrell came along. Mm -hmm. I was one of the guys that was running the hoot nanny in Disneyland. This was the thing in the 60s, mid-60s, you know? Our link letter son had the hoot nanny show. And on TV, and one of the guys running it was developed developed a hoot nanny night in Disneyland to do shows, folk music. Mm -hmm. They gave him the worst night of the week, Monday night. He turned it into the second best night, second only to Saturday. And uh, there were people like Hoyt Ashton, the Clara Ward Singers, uh, the Pine Valley Boys, um, the Billards. Uh, all kinds of folk music on five different five different stages. His name was Tom Campbell. It still is Tom Campbell. I didn't meet him then. I was just a geek in the magic shop doing tricks. He wrote Darcy Farrell with Steve Gillette. They oh. made up a song about uh, Tom's daughter, Darcy, and and they, they wanted to write an old folk song, and they did it. And a few years later, after I started playing, it was one of the songs I would do with my first girlfriend, Penny Nichols. And she had a beautiful voice. Beautiful. 
we were together for several years and <laughs> we kind of dissolved. I'm not sure we broke up. We saw, she went to Vietnam. I kind of messed her up. She went to Vietnam for a, a month and a half and, mm. and came back and uh, we were over by then, you might say, but we weren't over. We saw each other a couple of years later and it was really fun. It was in the Grove, the place where opened for Merle Travis, very important wow. music venue. That place is now called the Improv, the Ashgrove Lobby. We ran into each other. And the first thing I said was, it was my fault. And then she goes, no, it was my fault. No, it was my fault. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't call. Well, I'm sorry I didn't. You know, it's like we were both apologizing to each other. Uh, we could have stayed together. But. Anyway, we did Darcy Farrell a bunch, and, and about five years ago, I decided to get a hold of her and do it again, sing, sing Darcy Farrell. A couple years later, she passed away from cancer. And uh, it, was a, it was a sweet relationship. Yeah, it sounds like it. ended up with a really, a really good recording of Darcy Farrell, and I'll... I think it's better than John Davis. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's got an extra verse, too. But uh, yeah, that's another one of the songs. Then, then there's a song uh, called Down by the Sea. I wrote a song, one of the dream songs of words that I've written. And I thought, I'm going to record my own song. And I played uh, guitar and recorded it on bass and slap steel and John Cable. John Cable's a name you probably don't know. Mm -mm. He was in the Dirt Band in the 70s. It was really, uh, we never had a fight. We never had a bad word between each other. Because as soon as it started to happen, we'd start laughing about how silly we were. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great way. He plays with me now when I go on the road with my group. The string wizard guys. I take John Cable, play guitar and mandolin, and Les Thompson. He's a Les Thompson's an original Dirtman member. He played on Bojangles, played bass. He was there the first ten years. He's the one that called me. Hey John, the guys at the music store are putting a group together. You want to come be part of it? And I went, Well, if they can learn my one of my songs, and he was sixteen. I was 20, and that's when it started, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band of the Cage Guitar Shop in Long Beach, a little music store, getting a band together. We're going to get a band together. We're going to go out and conquer the world. <laughs> Sounds like you did. <laughs> well, we knocked some chunks off for ourselves. We, yeah, it did great. Uh, let me tell you, it did... A, uh, 50 years with Mini Green Dirt Band were wonderful, and a lot was accomplished. Could we have done more? Yeah, for sure, easily. Well, not easily. We tried because of various reasons that don't really matter. I stepped off the bus at the end of the 50th year tour, mm -hmm. and then I finished my book, The Life I've Kicked, and that went from a few years before the dirt band to up to that period. It's got a lot of five-star reviews except for one 
one star review, which I know is from one of his ex, one of the guy's ex-wives. <laughs> she hates me and the book. How can this a pack of lies? He sits on a throne of lies. Whatever. <laughs> well, there's always one, right? <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I don't mind. It's, um, I do mind because I'm sorry she doesn't get it. But, uh, I tell the story from my viewpoint, mm-hmm. and I let people decide if that was if they or I made a good or wrong decision when it comes to some kind of thing that either happens or didn't happen. You know, uh, I think I've been fair, or I'm told I was. Whatever it is, it's done, and it's available on Amazon. The life I've picked. So there. But uh, mm-hmm. back to the album. <laughs> That's what great. cuts are you playing? Are, are, are you playing any particular cuts? Yeah, so, I mean, you talked about, you know, Hey Joe, got the early release of that. And our podcast and what we do is all about trying to expose people to new music because we always seem to get stuck in the same tracks. For some reason, as yeah. humans, we like the same music over and over again. So our goal is to try to break people out of that cycle. And yeah, so that track's been out there. We've been you know, posting that. And we're just trying to, like you said, your music has transcended. You've been on the top of the streaming charts. And now if we can introduce people to some of the new music that you have, maybe it'll bump it off the charts. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I just hope people give it a chance. I think some of the best things I've recorded, and then I'm looking forward to But You know, it's out there. I don't have a record label. It's self-released. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you don't need the record label. Although, you know, hey, record label. You want to sign this guy that's 75 that's really hot? <laughs> well, RCA would be interested in North Columbia. Anyway, things are fine. That's good. And uh, the response has been really good. Well, it's it definitely is, like I said earlier, it's something that gets you happy, makes you want to get through your day, and I think you've definitely captured that in your music. And it, it also sounds like you have some new books on the way, too, I've been told. Uh, yeah, the Circle album that we talked about earlier, my brother produced it. He put it together as an idea. All I, all I thought is we're going to record with Earl Scruggs and Doc Watson and Earl Travis. And the other people came along and he shot beautiful pictures. He produced it perfectly, two-track. All the songs were recorded two-track. But there were about 45 pictures that were never used on the album cover. Hmm. And I've taken the album cover pictures and those 45 and photos from the early Dirt Band that he'd given me to put together a book, the Circle album is 50 years old and beyond. And that comes out next March. Excellent. Tells the story of the early band leading up to that album, a Judd band that made an album called Uncle Charlie and His Dog Teddy that got us on pop radio. And then we, in the 71, we recorded the Circle The photos take up and the stories behind each photo take up a good two-thirds of the book. 
Hmm. And then the back part of the book is comments from people that uh, a dozen people, Gary Scruggs, the Dirt Band guys, mm-hmm. Jeff Hannon, Thompson, Jimmy Evanson, Jimmy Fadden, and me. And then some other important people like Marty Stewart, Dayton yeah. Duncan. Dayton Duncan and Ken Burns do the forward. It's a 12 by 12. It's a, it's a tabletop, mm-hmm. coffee table type of book. Sounds fun. And it'll be out next next March. Next March. And then you talked about you were the only, you know, I guess the first U.S. band to be a, be allowed to play in, in Russia. Is that going to be the other book, too? <laughs> now you're getting ahead. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I have uh, uh, 1,500 photos of our Russian trip shot by Gary Register that are hopefully going to be a book about that trip. Amazing. And that's That's a year and a half from now. Okay, we want to. We don't want to get too far ahead there, John. Yeah, <laughs> but no, it sounds like you are. So I got. I guess one last question for you here. I mean, what's what's con, what's driving you to continually, you know, create music and just be this uh, kind of creative? I guess tsunami. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for that. But um, it's what I do, mm-hmm. and it's what I work on, I don't know. I have people tell me, you do so much, and I feel like I'm doing nothing. I got a record that's out, and yeah, a book that's coming, and, but it's just, you know that job I told you about in Disneyland, mm-hmm. 16 years old? I was, Steve Barton and I were both trying to get the job at the magic shop, and we both got it. And that's when our friendship started. And Steve is out there with Martin Short doing big things and always has something going on. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, I'm not keeping up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I did, I produced Steve's album, The Crow, an album that we won uh, a Grammy for the best bluegrass album the year it came out. Congrats. In 2010. And that was good. He didn't think his music would get that much attention. and didn't think he'd perform. He was saying, I can't go on the road. And then when the album was finished, he was shocked about how good it was. He started going on the road and realized that you only had to be funny between the songs. And then he wrote some funny songs. <laughs> and his career made a big change. That's another one. You, you're going to have competing books at the same time, and you're year and a half for now. So it, now I'm going to wrap it up here quick. But I always you talked about Steve. Now, did you teach Steve to play banjo, or did he teach you? He's nice enough to say that, <laughs> but he was really good from, after about the years of learning how to play, how to position his hands and stuff. And, he created a lot of music, a lot of the music totally on his own, and he says that 
I would say I was an early influence. But, and he says, I taught him how to play. And I read some interview where he said that. And I was a nice of him. But I can't say that where he is now had anything to do with it. He, he plays so good. Oh, yeah, definitely. He plays, he plays things that I can't play. Anyway. That's amazing. So, and I told him I was a perfect guy to produce his album. He understood things that he liked. He liked Appalachian Spring by Aaron Copeland. He likes uh, Earl Scruggs' uh, Foggy Mountain Banjo album. He loved the music man. You know, we got trouble, my friend, right here in River City. Why, sure, I'm a billiard player. Certainly, my proud to say I'm always mighty proud to say I'm. <laughs> you know, that play the music man. Yeah. And he liked good bluegrass. And I understood where he was coming from and where his music needed to go. And I'm proud to be part of that. I was just going to say, John, you guys are just two, you know, magicians playing banjo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I picked up the guitar and the mandolin and fiddle along the way, mm-hmm. and the lap steel, although I'm not as proficient as a Jerry Douglas, I get good sounds out of it. Some of them are on the new album, the Nashville Sessions. My little lap, my $15 lap steel that I used wow. my whole career. Played it on American Dream and Honky Tonkin and all kinds of dirt band cuts. Mm. And so forth. That's good stuff. Well, John, thank you for taking the time out today. The new album is is it fully released out there, or we just we have a couple tracks released, or no seven tracks. Seven tracks. And put it out and see what happens. See if uh, it catches anybody's ear. I'm hoping that one of the cuts gets nominated for Grammy. One of the cuts is Martha Redbone and me. Hmm. my warfare will soon be over. Martha Redbone's a Native American. Uh, she's half black, half Indian, and sings uh, my best folk music recording, I think, is, is that song. And that's on there. And it is haunting. We did it in one take. It was perfect. I overdubbed a bow banjo on it, along with... Uh, guitar and G minor tuning we played the drumsticks <laughs> and an old time trailing banjo and anyway that's another song that I hope that gets a Grammy nomination for folk music recording well I can't wait to listen to the, the full I haven't had a chance to do that I did listen to a couple of the tracks and I, I really like them I wish you continued success it was a pleasure talking with you and everybody check out John McEwen's music it's out there and find it on streaming and, and follow them. Well, thanks for having me on. And uh, to you people listening, the ones that are familiar with me, thanks for paying attention to what I've done over the years with the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Yeah, hopefully on my own. And that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks thank again you. for being on the podcast. Okay. Thank you. All right, everybody. Welcome back from the interview. Ray, it was fascinating. John really got into talking about his time with not only his past with the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, but he started Mm -hmm. talking right at the end of the interview about his friendship with Steve Martin. And he dropped something. He's like, oh, I wasn't supposed to say it, but Steve's going to have a 
autobiography coming out soon and I'm in it. So I think it's interesting how, you know, they met at that magic shop and he really had an influence. And he was even saying, I, I think Steve's a better banjo player than I am now. Wow. You're right. Well, and you know, Steve, I mean, that's become a lot of uh, Steve's gig the last couple of decades, right? You know, he, we know him as the comedian and actor and everything else, but, you know, a big part of his career, especially over the last couple of decades has been um, uh, touring and playing with his band and, and playing banjo. And that's all connected right back to his time with the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. And, you know, remembering that, that song King Tut that came out that they worked with him on. And, you know, that's it's fundamental to, to, to who's, who Steve is and, and who they are. Yeah, it's it's just it's so interesting how, you know, they talk about Kevin Bacon, but you know, there's so many degrees of separation right. between everything in here. Cause even when John was talking about, I mean, he grew up idolizing a lot of the people that he later had an opportunity to play with. And mm -hmm. you mentioned it from the beginning that, you know, there's so many connections between all these famous people and that really had an influence on what made him as well. Just like you said, you know, all that influence with Steve. So I, you know, to me, John really touched on a lot of key points that, and I mentioned to him, I said, you know, our, you know, our podcast is about introducing people to new music. And he's like, great. So I'm glad to get my music out there and I mm -hmm. continue to try to inspire. And I know you just wrapped up music to help us get through everything together. There you go. Music to help us get through everything together. Yeah. I kind of, you know, I've been working on that. I mean, I did that when sort of the, the pandemic hit and uh, was inspired. I was kind of thinking about it and was inspired by Living Color back in March of 2020. And they did something about, you know, life, you know, uh, just remember, you know, life is uh, life is good still or something. I can't remember the exact sentiment. And I always love their song Solace of You. And that kind of gives me that feel. And and uh, and then I just kept going and finally said, OK, I've got five, five coming up on 500 songs. Let's Let's, you know, wrap it at 500. Seemed like a good number. Obviously, we still got things to get to get through together. Things to get through together. It seemed like 500 was a good number to, to kind of uh, say, well, okay, we've got a nice, nice long playlist of songs that we can, we can, we feel good together with. So I did that. And then, yeah, Living Color ran them one more time just as a, as an endpoint. But that's part of music, right? Is, you know, music helps us feel better. It helps us bring people together. And that's kind of the point of it. Yeah, I just I thought it was great that uh, the band retweeted it. So I was like, yeah. yes, it, it, it <laughs> made an impact on them as well. It just is their music. So yeah, it's it's been a great run, and we're going to continue you know, putting music out there. Make sure to check out John McEwen's new album, which is the Nashville Sessions, and great music out there. He collaborated with many many that uh, artists that I think you will enjoy. And it was great to catch up with them, had great stories. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And once again, follow us on all the social channels, subscribe to our podcast, and we'll have more coming to you sooner than later. So once again, my name is Mark. And I'm Ray. And we will see you next time.